Uh, Cynthia, when she shared out of the silence something that she shared, which um, I'm glad she added it to it because it reminded me of so often when I think of fall. I used to say, well, look how the Look how the leaves fall from the trees. And someone pointed out to me and said, no, that's not how it works. Leaves don't fall. Trees let go of the leaves. And it reminds me of how beautiful and wonderful it is to know that life has its seasons. And not always easy seasons. But when we think of seasons in terms of our own life, sometimes there is a season of letting go. And you have noticed in the cycle of seasons, the season of letting go is always followed by a season of dormancy. A season when things feel sometimes cold and harsh. Um, Things are happening below the ground, but we don't see it. But it's a season sometimes of grayness. A season in which we feel like, is spring ever going to get here? And then it does, doesn't it? Spring arrives, and there's new life, and things are born again. Notice that language. And then then that season of summer where there is a season of just play and a season of relaxation, a season of living in those moments, and then all of a sudden a season of letting go. I don't think we necessarily stay in one season. I think our lives are lived in multiple seasons. A question I always ask myself is, what season am I in right now in my life? And it's okay to be in that season because God is in that season as well. What the word of Ecclesiastes says, there is a season for every time and a time for every season. And God is in that season and God is in your season. So thank you for sharing that. Which isn't my message necessarily. My message really was about this notion of the kingdom of God. I want to just take a few moments that we have left and talk a little bit about that. In your bulletin under Thoughts for Reflection, there are a couple quotes there. The bottom quote is what we have as an identity statement here at Deep River. Not a vision statement, mission statement, but an identity statement. Deep River Friends Meeting is a Christ-centered faith community gathered around the leadership of the living Christ. We seek to live in the way of Jesus through our faithfulness to his leadings and our Quaker testimonies of simplicity, peace, integrity, community, equality, and service. We've mentioned that this morning. We have no greater allegiance than to the kingdom of God. We have no greater privilege than serving our community and making God's love real. I just want to spend a few moments on this idea of the kingdom of God, because that's a pretty big statement, isn't it? We have no greater allegiance than to the kingdom of God. Every morning we wake up, every morning when I wake up, I feel like there are things that are asking for my allegiance, things that are asking for my loyalty, things that are asking me for my commitment. Multiple commitments, multiple allegiances, multiple loyalties. And we're often shaped by our allegiances and our loyalties. And so the question I think is always an important one, what will my allegiance and my loyalty be and to who? Not only for me, but even as as a friend's meeting. Now I have have a hunch 
that you have not gone around and used the word kingdom of God much this past week. Is that right? Yeah, it's not a word that we often use. It's a word we see in the Bible. It's a word that we see in Scripture. It's a word that we sing about, and I think our last hymn will actually sing about the kingdom of God, but we just don't use that word very much. We think of kingdom of God, we think of medieval knights, we think of castles, we think of Game of Thrones, we think winter is coming, all of that. Another pop culture reference. See, I'm just trying to be on a roll. So, But we think of all of that, but we don't use it very much. Because really, it was used more back in Jesus' day where kingdom means a domain. It means rule. It means governance. It means that in the day of Jesus, there was a kingdom, but it was a different kind of kingdom. It was the kingdom of Rome. It was the kingdom of Caesar. And that was the language they used. And Caesar was the one that ruled that kingdom. Caesar was the one that governed that kingdom. Caesar was the one that when, that when people would meet each other on the street, when they would see each other on the street, they would nod probably and bow and they'd say, Caesar is Lord. That was sort of a way of affirming the kingdom and saying hi. That's by, by the way, when you go, as I said to a group this morning, when you go to the book of Revelation and you see the term Jesus is Lord, that's why it's so radical. John was telling the early Christians, look, Caesar is not your Lord. Jesus is Lord. So when you're on the street, John says, when you're on the street, when you see another fellow person of the faith, when you see them, don't say Caesar is Lord, say Jesus is Lord. It was an act of resistance, if you will. It was an act of rebellion. It was them saying, we have a greater kingdom. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, I've got good news. And that's what John, uh, Mark 1, and other gospel writers say. The good news is this. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's using that word intentionally. He's saying, you have a kingdom already, but I'm giving you a different kind of kingdom. I'm giving you a different kind of rule. I'm giving you a different kind of reign. And it is one in which God reigns and rules and governs. And it is at hand. You know what something means when it's at hand? This, these flowers are at hand. These, these plants are at, this plant is at hand. It means it's right here. I can grab it. Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. It is right here in your midst, in your presence. It is around you. It is about you. It, you interact with it, and it interacts with you. You are in this interactive relationship with God. And then he says, repent, which is another way of saying, change your mind. Rethink your life. In light of the fact that we live in a whole different kingdom, rethink how you live your life. And that's all that Jesus teaches and exemplifies. That's everything he's about. He is simply trying to say, this is how you live. Rethink your life. Rethink your loyalties. Rethink your allegiances. And I'm going to invite you to rethink them. Now, what we know about Jesus and we know about the Gospels is what? He made a lot of invitations, but few people, what? Followed him. Because it's hard. It's tough. Every day I get up and walk around and live in this world, I have to rethink how I live my life. Am I going to live it according to the culture and the allegiances and what it invites me to? Or am I going to live it according to the way of Jesus and to the kingdom of God? So because you don't say the kingdom of God all the time, let me give you another word. So maybe at this point you're thinking, I'm tracking you, but to be honest, I still don't use that word, so... How does this relate to my life? Well, 
What if instead of using kingdom, we use the word dream? What if instead of the kingdom of God, we talked about God's dream for all of creation? We all have dreams, don't we? We dream of what we can be for our life. We dream of what we can be for this world. We dream of what life can be for our children, for our family. We dream of a better world. So what if we are created in the image of God and then maybe our capacity to dream comes from the image of God within us? In other words, this dreaming of a better world, this dreaming of living a life that is well, this dreaming of living a different kind of life, this dream of living a life that flourishes, What if that is simply God planting God's dream within our heart and saying this is what the kingdom looks like, to live this different and better life, to make this a different and better world, to have a dream for this world that transcends everything we see, everything we feel, everything we read, till we know it can be better, it can be different. What if that's what the kingdom of God is all about? It's simply God's dream and intention for what this world can be. There's an author by the name of Scott McKnight, and this is what he writes, quote, By kingdom, Jesus means God's dream society on earth, spreading out from the land of Israel to encompass the whole world. What this means is so important. When Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God, he was thinking of concrete realities on earth. He was thinking of the church being the embodiment of the Jesus dream. And he was thinking of you and I living together in a community as we should. If you go through the whole Old Testament, what you see, in a sense, is God's dream being lived out and taught by the prophets. The prophets would talk about, uh, let me give you examples. Uh, The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and lion will feed together. You've heard those words before from Isaiah. The prophets had a dream that there'd be a a society where no one would take advantage of each other. There's community, there's harmony, there's sharing life together. Isaiah said they'll no longer learn how to make war. The prophets dreamed of a time in which no one would, would, would murder each other anymore. There would be no war, there'd be peace and harmony. And you'd take your tools that you would use for battle and you'd turn them into things like rakes and hoes and, and garden implements. And you would, you would, you would plant gardens instead of building tanks. That is what the prophets saw. And they said, we dream of this world. It can be. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus says, yes, this is what the world was intended to be. Can you see it? Can you dream it? It's called the kingdom of God. And then the apostle Paul, he lived out this Christ life within him. He understood this dream, and he shares this wonderful vision of humanity in his letter to the church of Galatia when he writes this, quote, for you're all God's children. Through faith in Jesus Christ, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you're all one in Christ. In Paul's dream, if you will, all lines that divide or separate or are transcended. We are all God's children. We're all of equal value. There are no labels. And we have been given this capacity, and those dreams often begin in our hearts and souls as this desire for a better world, a longing to address brokenness or pain, a leading to bring our best selves to this world. That is why I always use the word flourishing. Because when I think of the kingdom of God, when I think of God's dream for this world, this is my word. I'll own it. You can use it if you want, if it works for you. 
But my word is this. God intends for this world to flourish. And in order for this world to flourish, he needs humanity to flourish. And in order for humanity to flourish, he needs for humanity to walk in the ways of God as given to us by the prophets and as instruct to us, instructed to us by Jesus. And when I move out into life, often I'm simply asking myself, how can I be my best flourishing self today? In thinking about what that looks like to bring the kingdom of God to reality in this world. I chose this passage this morning, by the way, around the experience of Jesus and children. Partly because we celebrated uh, Leo this morning, celebrated Justin and Carrie and, and their family. And partly because children, I believe, are God's best reminder to you and I of what it means to live in this world and participate in God's kingdom or God's dream. Children know how to create. They know how to imagine. They know how to dream. They often think outside the box. Sometimes they like to get in the box, buy presents from them. You'll find out they like the box more than the present. But we, as children, we always imagine, we create. Do you remember as a child, your imaginary friend? I know we worry about it a lot when kids have imaginary friends. But they're creating. They're thinking beyond what they can see. I remember when I was a kid, I would go outside and, in Jamaica, and I'd have, uh, I'd have my holster on, I'd have my cowboy hat on, you know, and I, I had a whole western town in my backyard. I mean, I would stand behind a tree, and you know how those guys would get knocked out from behind and fall down. I'd get knocked out from behind and fall down, and I'd go chase a person down, and I'd arrest them, and this was just all by myself. Granted, it probably looked a little strange to my parents and my sister, but somewhere along the line, we lose the ability to imagine we lose the ability to dream, to think of how it can be different and better in a world that sometimes seems like it is just so hard and chaotic and broken. Children are the reminder to us. They don't see obstacles. They only see possibilities. They often ask why, and sometimes the word we only give children is what? Because. And they ask why again, and we say because, and they just keep asking why and why and why. What if we as humanity just kept what? Asking why and why and why. Children persist. They can see what is not yet. They can see what is possible. They know how to love, to trust, to reach beyond artificial lines of separation. They're not born with these lines of separation. They learn from the world that we have created. They learn that from this world. Children are trying to help us create a new and better world. One of the stories that I hold in my heart really close was when Erin was probably about two or three. She's back this weekend and dedicating Leo and having her back here for a few days made me think about it. I think Linda had gone to uh, the doctor, was pregnant with Chad, and so Erin and I were sitting out there in the waiting room and, you know, like dads my age, new dads would say, look, there's toys over there, go play with the toys, you know. I'll watch you right here. But she went over and she started playing with the toys in the corner. And a little child came up to her, and Aaron had never come at that point face to face with a child of color. It's an African American child. A child came up to her and just sat down, and they kind of stared at each other, they kind of eyeballed at each other. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. What's Aaron going to do? 
And so about a few moments later, Aaron looks at the child and she says, do you want to play? The child says, yeah. And then they played. And ever since then, I remember to myself, and I remind myself, that's what a child brings to this world. They don't see color. They don't see separations. They don't see labels. They just want to know, do you want to play? They dream of a different kind of world. And they will lead us. And Jesus says, allow the children to come to me. Don't forbid them because God's kingdom belongs to people like these children. My simple message this morning is this. The kingdom of God is a heavy-duty theological term. It's a $65,000 theological term. But it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be something that doesn't apply to our life. The kingdom of God is simply God's intention that this creation, this world, be the kind of place God intended, where people are whole, where people flourish, where love is manifest, where there's a sense of peace, and there's a sense of harmony. And you do it every day when you go out to where you go, when you leave this place. When you show up and you say, I have this dream within me to be this in the world, to bring this to the world. I have this dream within me to offer apologies, to bring reconciliation, to bring love, to bring kindness. I have this within me, something planned within me that says to do this. And then you are bringing God's kingdom to bear on this world. You're helping God's dream come true. And what we often find is our dreams are God's dream just simply being lived through you and I. As this one prayer, I'll close with this and just take a few moments. Gentle God, take my hand and lead me in the dream that you have for me. Open my eyes and ready my heart to receive the gentle stirrings of the Spirit. In every step of my journey, be near. Amen. Let's just take a few moments, sit with these words, and begin the process of opening our own hearts and souls to the dream God has for us and for this world.